Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And hello all. It is our Wednesday show and there's a lot to come. Albert, the commission is in Albert, thank his you. producer chair and in the part of Kim today. Doing news for us, we welcome Teresa Strasser, everyone, and I'm super excited that Teresa's here. Uh, Teresa, a San Francisco connection, you know, because this show was born out of KGO Radio in San Francisco, so I was excited that you actually have, you got serious roots in San Francisco. Yeah. Grew up on 26th and Church in Nilly Valley, went to Lick Wilmerding High School, lifelong <laughs> warrior fan. Come on! Mm-hmm. I mostly well, spent my childhood on the K. Ingle side. Uh, Albert, are you familiar with any of these references? Because uh, Teresa has stumped me in the first. You know who uh, knows this stuff really well is our guest at the bottom of the hour, John Rothman. Yeah, I think Rothman yeah. would know. I'm an East Bay kid, so I wouldn't yeah, be too okay. familiar. Uh, Rothman is here. We'll talk about what's going on in Alabama. We'll also talk about what's happening with this uh, Biden impeachment. And there was a state Senate debate last night uh, with the, you know, Barbara Lees of the world, the Steve Garveys of the world, you know, Schiff and Katie Porter. Uh, by the way, Steve Garvey's people have been in touch with me about him coming on this show. What? You're not talking about the Steve Garvey from the Dodgers? <laughs> that is the that is the same. And he's they've been in touch with you? They have. And you know the the deal with the this again, we'll talk with Rothman about this. But Garvey just wants to finish second, right? He just wants to get through this, and looks like he will finish second, at least if you know the if the poll is accurate. But my question is to the audience in the chat. You can let me know if you're watching in replay, which most people do. Uh, would you like me to book Steve Garvey? I mean, I can. Do you feel like you know he's got? Would you like to hear from him? I mean, I I'm. Uh, yeah, my people are talking to his people, <laughs> Jim says. Uh, but let me know. I think it would be, I, I never turn down, you know, someone like that, even if they represent generally positions that probably most of my audience wouldn't agree with. I think the thing about this audience is that they're not scared of hearing people's positions. I also feel as though, honestly, Garvey's a little short on positions. You know, he... If you watch these debates, 
he's not way out there with opinions on any number of public policy matters. So he's really playing it down the middle because, as I say, he only has to finish second. He knows Schiff is going to, you know, be in the pole position. He just needs to be number two. So he's trying to avoid, I think, a lot of the things that he could say that might jeopardize that. That's the way I am. That's the way I see it. Um, yeah, exactly what Randy's saying. Garvey hasn't had much in the way of specifics. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what's going on. Uh, I do so, have some uh, kind of breaking news, Mark. What's that? A little bit. Oh. We, we just hit the 26,000 on, wow. on YouTube. Wow, how about that? Wow. We're a small show, Teresa. I know you were part of Adam Carolla's show, I think, for a while. That's yes, millions of... Yeah. That was the Guinness World's Record holding podcast for a while. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, I mean, insanely popular when you were there. I probably has fallen off since you've left. But I am trying to draw contrast because that's not the kind of show we do, the big <laughs> juggernaut show with like an Adam Carolla. And so for us, a small homegrown show born of radio in San Francisco where we were doing politics and talk radio and a lot of other stuff, and then coming here to YouTube without letting anybody know where we are, we're really proud of even what might be considered a smaller number of people. I mean, I'm astounded that we have north of 20,000 people who are subscribed to this channel. Thank I'm glad. I feel bad that Kim's not here to appreciate this milestone. Kim who is what I have to say. <laughs> I uh, I what I joke. I joke. I joke. Um, I have got a piece of email that I received, lengthy piece of email about Kim. I want to wait until it's flattering to Kim. Everybody always takes Kim's side on everything. Uh, and when she returns tomorrow, I will will share that just apropos of Kim. And um You're apropos, a professional, okay? That's called a tease forward. And that's why twenty six thousand people are here. <laughs> Well, thank you. When you put it that way, I feel like uh, the Mark Thompson show. I'm a professional. I forgot. Uh, anyway, uh, Teresa, before I move on, and there are some pretty big things happening. I mean, with the uh, this Alabama situation with the frozen embryos, and what, we'll get to it in just a second. And um, there's even and the the revelations about this uh, guy who was so key to this GOP impeachment inquiry. I think your world is interesting because you did leave uh, Corolla and you left the uh, bright lights and big city Hollywood and you moved to raise your family in Arizona. Yes. To quote my friend John Fugelsang, who you might know, he's a comedian. He has Brilliant. a radio show as yeah. well. When I told him I was moving to Arizona, he said, it's a dry hate. <laughs> Boy, he's so funny. He really is. Isn't funny. he? Yeah. I know. He's funny he's and brilliant. smart. And... Yeah. One of the things yeah, I like about so... Fugel saying is that he can uh, destroy holy rollers because he knows, like, the Bible, you know, that's really, uh, I, I think he raised was raised in some biblical, you know, family that valued biblical teachings in some way. So he really oh. comes, at, comes at the holy rollers hard. His backstory is incredible. His mom was a nun. And his dad was a priest. And they oh, fell well, in that love. Explains it. What? Yeah, so you better yes. know your Bible. Yeah. And they broke up with God for each other. 
And they had this. There's never been anything like this. You've got to get uh, Fugelsang on this show then. In that case, I would love to have him on. But let's get back to you. So you move to a place where it's a dry hate. And it's a dry uh, hate. What is it like? What is life like in Arizona? Well, there's a lot of nice things about it. I moved here because I, I wanted a production job. And, you know, I, I work in television and I moved here for a job called The List, which was on the air for 11 years. And I, I had a contract that said at three o'clock every day I'm done. So I was able to pick up my kids and go to their little league practice and, you know, be a mom and all that stuff. However, you know, I think one of my first times taking uh, I had a three year old when I moved here who's now 14. and I took him to the playground and there's, you know, kids, parents. And I look over and there's a guy. He's kind of like bent over. And I see that he has a gun in the back of his waistband. Like, bro, what's going to happen to you in the park? Yeah. But yeah. So all, all of the what, what is the um, what is the law on firearms there? I believe there's it's just it's the Wild West. Do you want to have so, your gun out on the passenger seat? Wherever you want it, you're fine. So uh, you're able to, as long as we can see it, is the law, right? Is that it's not you're not allowed a concealed weapon there, but you're allowed to have a weapon as long as we can see it. Is that one of those states? That's a good question. Albert, and could I, you check I, that, please? Google it. I mean, I it's pretty Google. knowable. Albert, but you know, it was definitely Arizona, culture shock. Sir. Yeah, it was culture shock for me because my dad was a conscientious objector during the Vietnam War. I never held a gun. My family didn't own guns. So, um, yeah, open carry, says Phineas. Yeah, J. Phineas. And uh, go to Tucson. At least it's reasonably blue there, says Debbie. What's the story, Albert? Yeah, uh, open carry. Open carry yeah. is correct. Carry it was without the, uh, any type of permit or license. So, Without any kind sure. of permit or license, which is what you want when you're dealing with a deadly weapon. Yeah. Like no I mean, permit I... and no kind of official registration that, yeah. Well, that goes for hand. I yeah, believe hand just gun. the handguns. So you can't be walking around with those things that they like to uh, be on with the, news the assault about. rifles. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but it was uh, definitely a culture shock because, as you mentioned, I grew up in San Francisco. This is how hippie my childhood was. Are you ready for this, Mark? Are you ready for this? <laughs> yes. Okay. There is a coffee shop on the corner of Hayes and Cole, which still exists, and it is called Sacred Grounds. And that was my mom's coffee shop. That's a great name for a coffee shop. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We Albert, had a can you rally a picture of sacred grounds, please? So we can get a Google it. I mean, it's just, uh, it's there. <laughs> it still exists. And we had uh, many a poetry night. And we, uh, my mom and I had a beat poet named Max Schwartz living in the garage of our home for like a decade, rent free. But my mom was a patron of the arts and he was like a pretty well-known poet. And he just, he was him and a giant juicer just in our garage <laughs> for a decade. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I, there's never been anything like this. Yeah, it's pretty, it does sound pretty great. Uh, and it's weird how, if you're just joining us, Teresa Strasser is filling for Kim today. And she has a news background, a television background. She moved to Arizona, but lived in San Francisco, grew up in San Francisco. Look at this the Sacred Grounds Cafe. Well done, Albert. <laughs> Nice. Coffee house and eats, it says. Yes. And by the way, my elementary school is still in the city. It's called the Synergy School. And it makes a Montessori school look like a military academy. <laughs> 
I still can't handwrite. I couldn't tell you where Canada is. I could barely do math. But if oh. you want to, like, you know, talk about Shel Silverstein or feelings, <laughs> I got you. That's just great. That's just great. So you move from Libby Libby Libville and that background to the desert, Arizona. But there are enclaves of liberalism and blueness, obviously, in Arizona. I mean, a lot of them. Yeah, in fact, someone just mentioned in the chat, Tucson, you know, there's the University of Arizona's there. So that's going to be more of a liberal bastion. But yeah, it was definitely shock. I mean, my um, my son, who's now 14, uh, at his school, there was like a holiday ornament party for moms. And if you're thinking, that sounds awful. It's more awful than you could possibly imagine it being. And um, so I'm just like, I'm going to go to this ornament party and try to fit in because I really need the moms to like me. <laughs> and so I buy like a funny ornament. Mind you, I, I look, I'm already out of place at a at an ornament exchange party because I'm Jewish. But I'm like, this. I, I love Christmas. I married a Gentile. I can do this ornament party. And, um, you know, I bought like something funny and cute. And you trade them like a white elephant style and I remember one of the ornaments, the most popular one that everyone was trying to get said FJB. And I whispered to my friend, I was like, I, what is that? And then when she told me, I thought, oh, wow, this is very uncomfortable. Who, whoever you whoever you are for, the F, I, I just, yeah. Well, on a Christmas a ornament, I mean, that's really, uh, I guess that's There's a never been anything Christmas. like this. A gag Christmas ornament, uh, Christmas ornament uh, among the MAGA set, you know. Yeah, I'm have, like, I don't yeah. know if you guys have really read, you know, a lot of the Old Testament, but I just don't <laughs> know if Jesus would be. I know I'm just a Jewish girl, but I just don't know if this is what Jesus had in mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's everywhere. Trump 2024! That's a MAGA Mickey, Trump 2024, exactly. Well, Y'all can all go to hell, and I'm going back to Texas. All right. It is, uh, you know, they. Uh, I respect the uh, firmness with which they maintain many of these political positions, but I agree <laughs> that a, that an ornament exchange party may be the wrong place for them, you know. Um, but nothing says Christmas like a good political throwdown. So, uh, wow. <laughs> Well, exactly. Teresa, I want to hear more if there's time, so we'll we'll get to that. But I appreciate you so much filling in for Kim. It's just a one-off. She'll be back tomorrow, but it's so cool to have you here. So, uh, so let's rock on. The Mark Thompson Show. Albert, you have the um, the story from Alabama. I feel is, um, you know, we did it yesterday. We did it when it broke, actually, um, but. Uh, now it's catching a lot of, as it should, a lot of media attention and a lot of uh, the, shall we say, the, the you know the problems around it. Meaning the uh, repercussions might be a better word are coming to light. Go ahead, run a little bit of it. The state supreme court is handing down a historic decision that could impact the future of in vitro fertilization. The court ruling that frozen embryos do indeed qualify as children under its state law. Medical experts and abortion rights advocates warn that this could have major consequences for women seeking to access fertility treatments in the post-Roe era. And it comes after a patient accidentally dropped and destroyed vials of frozen embryos at an Alabama fertility clinic. State's high court says that the patient can now be held liable in a wrongful death suit. Our Elizabeth Schulze joins us with more. 
were, were I have my twins because of IVF. So I was paying close attention to this. I mean, to me, I just this is really frustrating to hear. And this really is a case that could have far reaching consequences for families in the state of uh, Alabama who are trying to get pregnant through in vitro through IVF. And what this case centered on was this this incident where a patient was able to get into this fertility clinic in Alabama. They somehow got access to that freezer, took out some embryos accidentally dropped them and, and destroyed them. And that's how this lawsuit went forward. And essentially what Alabama Supreme Court decided is that now that patient can be held liable for wrongful death. So this does have far reaching consequences, could ultimately mean that it's very difficult to get IVF in the state of Alabama. Yeah, that is All right. just crazy. Uh, you so that, that gives you a sense of it. Doctors in Alabama. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Fertility doctors are really puzzled as to what the next move is, you know. There are online support groups that have formed overnight, and attorneys are warning that divorce settlements that call for frozen embryos to be destroyed, and that is not so uncommon, may now be voided by this decision. There is a lot of backlash, but the state Supreme Court in Alabama, and Alabama itself is one of those places where you're not going to get the kind of resolution you want if you are shocked and angered by this, meaning Alabama's a place, I told you this when the decision first broke, where there's a, you know, it's not negotiable. Abortion is not available uh, under any circumstances. So if you look at this as a bellwether for what might happen elsewhere, it is another massive blow to women's rights and women's reproductive rights are really being taken away, I feel, in this country. It started with Roe, you know, a, a decision that everybody during the confirmation process for Supreme Court justice swears they won't touch, and then it's one of the first orders of business. There is a, a, a religiosity that is informing more and more. In fact, even this Alabama Supreme Court decision was informed by religious reference. So... This is what overturning Roe does. When you turn it back to the states, you end up with these kinds of decisions state to state. It's a, it's a huge, huge setback for this country. I mean, it was already a huge setback. And then this decision takes it to another level. I mean, there's a certain absurdity to this. Uh, it, it denies science. I mean, you can tell me, Teresa, you're... Someone, I mean, as a woman, I think I always feel awkward because I know I'm not connected to this issue that way. 
all, even even though I'm a passionate you know defender of women's reproductive rights and you know power over their own bodies. Um, but it, just the process of IVF, I think it is true what that anchor was saying. You need to, you know, there are going to be embryos there. And all of a sudden, what happens? We, the, the notion somehow that they have the same rights as a, as a human being, I think that really stresses the law and also stresses reproductive philosophies a bit. You know, you've got really science butting up against... Um, as I say, uh, religious doctrine or re interpretations of religious doctrine anyway. I mean, obviously there's no reference to IVF in the, in the Bible, you know. Well, I should have asked at that ornament party if anyone knew specifically. <laughs> that would have been the place. Yeah. Like, hey that, guys. Yeah. Um, I, I just, the patient in this case. The science this, is ridiculous. Oh yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. The patient in this case, though, uh, goes into the freezer or refrigerator. Yeah. And then takes her own embryos and then accidentally drops them. Mm-hmm. Have you been left alone in an exam room for a long time? Because I feel like I have. Yes, you're right. You're right. And after about 45 minutes or an hour, I start looking around in them drawers. <laughs> Like what do I what do we got? We got Q tips, we got Aquaphor. What's yeah. in here? I'm start reading pamphlets. I'm bored. Yeah. Yeah. But going into the freezer right, like that, what exactly was going on? I'm very curious. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot on that part, like the connection of the patient to the embryos. But um they keep saying that they were, you know destroyed accidentally but i haven't seen sort of the motivation which will maybe come out maybe it is out there um but uh uh you know, it, you know whatever prompted this this move it's created this decision which is i think you know so very dangerous uh there's something else happening i wanted to get this not get john rothman's feelings on all of this bottom of the hour but the mark thompson show albert can you run a little bit of the revelations around the star witness that the gop has for the biden corruption impeachment trial so they're saying essentially that joe biden everybody's favorite grandpa was getting money as was his son and in a corrupt manner and uh, this is through the Burisma deal, et cetera. Uh, but now their star witness, it turns out, was telling a completely fabricated story. And now there's a revelation, another revelation. On top of that revelation, he's got double revelations. This is where that guy came from. News, new court documents just released, revealing that an indicted informant admitted to the FBI that he got dirt about Hunter Biden from Russian intelligence officials. Joining us now, the former National Security Council official, retired Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. Colonel Vindman, thanks so much for joining us. His dog is about to make an appearance here too. Uh, this FBI informant, a guy by the name of Alexander Smirnov, was fed fake dirt on the Bidens by Russian intelligence. And how does this fit into the pattern of how Russia actually operates? You know, we use the term bombshell uh, pretty often, but I think this is some bombshell reporting 
The reason is that it clarifies certain certain uh, facets of Russia's influence operation to interfere in elections almost a decade back, 2016, 2020, and 2024. Uh, it certainly shows their tradecraft in using witting agents. Uh, Smirnov is under arrest because he's assessed to be a witting agent, uh, more than likely. And uh, the fact that I think from an intelligence perspective, from the Russian perspective, they see a large number of Republican political leaders as unwitting agents uh, carrying forward Russian disinformation. So that's a pretty interesting picture that it paints of how the Russians are interfering, co-opting the Republican Party uh, to do their bidding to um, tip the scales in, in Trump's favor. The other thing- Okay, that Albert, that's good. So that was terrified. pretty, this is pretty big. And of course, Vindman, you know, is the, uh, he, I think he's he's such a bright, dedicated, you know, patriotic dude. And of course, he came up in the impeachment trials with testimony that was damning toward then President Donald Trump. And Trump went on his own personal jihad against him and got him essentially bounced before his government um, pensions could kick in. I mean, it was a really deliberate, awful thing. And then he went after the brother as well. Pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, here's the other story. Related to that, Albert, will you run a little bit of that? And then for uh, FBI we'll just... informant who is charged with lying about the Biden family's dealings in Ukraine now says it was Russian intelligence officials who gave him those fake stories. Much of this information from this informant and quite possibly was and quite possibly still is at the center of the GOP's impeachment efforts into President Biden and has been amplified relentlessly by right wing media essentially doing Putin's work for him. Here tonight is CNN senior media reporter, Oliver Darcy. And Oliver, just to give people a sense of what this has sound like and what this has looked like. This is what I want you to hear coming up. This is all just a recap. Uh, This is what this has been like for the last Here's what I want you to see, the way it was repeated. There are now real and growing concerns that your president, the president of our country, is compromised. How real of a bribery, Joe Biden bribery scandal allegation is this? Well, every day this bribery scandal becomes more credible. We already know the president took bribes from Burisma. This is about the big guy himself, Joe Biden, a corrupt career politician who is now very credibly accused of public corruption on a scale this country has never seen before. The most corroborating evidence we have is that 1023 form from this highly credible confidential human source, according to U.S. Attorney Scott Brady. I mean, I guess to their credit, the FBI was treating this person as a confidential human source that they've been relying on. But but clearly we've seen what has happened now that they've looked into his claims. Yeah, I mean, okay, most so we, we learned then that the main, you know, the center, really, this guy was the key witness in this pending impeachment proceeding against Biden. He's peddling a story that's completely fabricated. And as it turns out, he says he got his information from Russia, Russian intelligence. So uh, he was arrested last week, just to remind everybody, charged with lying to the FBI. He said that they got five million bucks apiece, Hunter and Joe Biden. Um, uh, that all happened when Joe Biden was vice president, of course. Anyway, this is the madness that is informing what's going on in Washington. And as I think I might have mentioned to you yesterday, the view of the GOP is, hey, 
Okay, I guess he's got a few problems, but full speed ahead on this uh, Biden impeachment. All right. I mean, it just with so much business to be done, it's an odd place to uh, to kind of look the other way. I have a quick um, the Mark Thompson. I have show. a quick I have a quick palate cleanser, and then Teresa's news. Teresa's here for Kim. The palate cleanser is a story about this eight-year-old chess prodigy. Teresa, this guy, Ashwath Kaushik, he's eight mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. He beats a chess grandmaster. He's eight years old. The youngest player well, that, ever. Well, to... A lot of chess players, really, that's when you peak. Is you that... peak between eight and 12. Is that right? You're really. I don't know. And by, and by 17, you're burnout. Can't you're continue done. anymore. Yeah, it's over. You like you go on the checker circuit and you hope for the best. <laughs> the, the kid lives in Singapore and he beat Poland's Jacek Stopa, who's 37, in round four of the Bergdorfer Stauthaus Open in Switzerland. The previous record, I don't need to tell you, just set last month by an eight year old named Leonid Ivanovich. Maybe you're right, Teresa. Eight years old is the juicy age when everything just explodes. That eight-year-old, Leonid, became the first player under the age of nine to beat a grandmaster in a classical game. But Ashwath, who you see here, was five months younger than the Serbian Leonid. Well, that's why he has that look on his face. Look at it. (laughs) He knows it. He looks knowing. That's exactly right. He has a knowing look. Teresa is not wrong. This kid has some serious chess winning ahead of him. He was born in India, and he's already made a name for himself. He won a number of youth tournaments around the world. He became the world under eight rapid champion in 2022. He finished 12th in this week's tournament in Switzerland, but the big news is that he beat this 37-year-old grandmaster, Ashwath, keep an eye on that kid. He's hot. Mark, I love it. in a related story, my 11-year-old was named third alternate to represent <laughs> his class in the Hopi Elementary School spelling bee. Should one of the first two best spellers have not been able to attend the B, he would have represented. Yes, I can see Mr. where a mother Mr. would Black be proud. Yes, that's really, really, yeah. really, really impressive. I, There's never been anything like this. Yeah, it really is. The third alternate. Third now, if alternate. You, uh, you should do a Tanya Harding mom thing where you, uh, you know, pressure him so that somehow you're involved in taking out the first two. And then he's right there. The Don't think game. I didn't consider it. I'm extremely competitive on behalf of my kids. Right, Not, right you know, yeah, yeah, I was, look, one of the, you know, kids are always sick. So I thought maybe he had a chance, but no, no, he was, he mm. was not. Did you play chess ever? I did. My dad was really good. We had chess books everywhere when I was growing up, but then I gave it up. I don't know. I, I gave up everything good. I, I, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed. Like what else? Cello? What did you have going on? I had uh, piano. I gave that uh-huh. up. And now I mm-hmm. couldn't play anything. I gave up chess. I gave up, um, uh, well, I gave up tennis, but that's because I got hurt too many times. I couldn't continue. 
I don't know. I'll make a list. It's a long one. Um, Get nothing. I'm a profound disappointment in many ways. All right, <laughs> smash the like button. Teresa's news. Uh, thank you for being here, filling for Kim. Kim will be back tomorrow. Uh, and then the great John Rothman follows uh, Teresa's news. So, Mark Thompson Show. The Mark Thompson Show. Okay, Mark, as you mentioned, I am Teresa Strasser filling in for the great Kim McAllister here on the Mark Thompson Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Florida Senate is expected to take up a social media ban for kids Wednesday. The measure would prohibit anyone under the age of 16 from creating an account and require platforms to delete existing profiles run by minors. It was revamped by lawmakers last week to specify which platforms are being targeted. Governor Ron DeSantis has not publicly supported the legislation, saying it's, quote, to be determined whether he will sign it if it passes the state legislature. The current season session is set to wrap up early next month. In our day, Mark, you just you kind of knew what other people were doing and that you, maybe you were left out of it. Maybe you got to school on Monday and people were talking about parties you didn't go to. But now in real time, the kids can see on a snap map exactly where all of their friends are. Oh, that's right. It's pretty horrible. It's very, it, 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 it truly is. Well, the good thing uh, is that self-esteem is so durable at that age. You know what I mean? It's so great. Oh, yeah. Middle school is all about um, emotional resilience. Yeah, where are you going? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's just, I can't, uh, you're right in the middle of it. Your kids are getting into that whole world. Yeah, well, we used to call it junior high. Now it's middle school. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, was, it was hard in, in, you know, in my time at uh aptus middle school and <laughs> which is still there in san francisco uh but yeah it's really it's really something now and it's very scary so i'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with that um lyft ceo david risher says the rideshare company's bottom line was boosted thanks to the taylor swift eras tour traffic to and from stadiums and hotels was significantly significantly up when the pop star was in town, anywhere from 25 to 60 percent. Risher also told Yahoo Finance that Swifties tend to tip three times higher than average. What? Wow. Mm -hmm. That is unreal. And Taylor Swift, again, is the stir is the uh, the straw that stirs the drink economically. You know, wherever she goes, things get better. 
And I know you were worried about this. So I want to reassure you and all your 26,000 viewers, fans, that Travis Kelsey has boarded a private jet en route to Australia. Oh, yeah, he did. Girl, you just woo. Yeah. You love it. Look at that. That's Americana, kids. NFL, pop star. I Mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. Do you follow do you follow this story or do you know? Oh, care? I just can't get enough of my Taylor <laughs> and Travis. What can you tell us about the scene? It looks like they're making out, Larry, right there in front of everybody. What can you tell us about the scene? He's on his way to see your concerts. Yeah. Well, in another musical story, are you a fan of the song Hotel California? Yes, I I I, I most people are, right? Although I, I think, think I've so. heard it. I've heard it probably enough for five lifetimes but yes i it was it's a good song okay so it's maybe you've maybe it's been played out so you probably are familiar with a lot of the lyrics probably do you know the beginning uh on a dark desert highway is that the first line yes good yeah that's all you got cool (laughs) cool wind in my hair i think right yep one something to believe it or what, what I don't know what the next line is. <laughs> That's Taylor's version. Oh <laughs> uh, no, that was pretty good actually. Well, a trial involving the lyrics to Hotel California is getting underway today in Lower Manhattan. The words to the 1970s hit by the Eagles were written out by hand but disappeared. Years later, a rare book dealer, a former rock and roll Hall of Fame curator and a memorabilia seller were accused of selling the lyrics to auction houses while knowing that they were stolen. However, their lawyers maintain that they're innocent. The case will be decided by a judge, not a jury. Wow. It was wrong. It was stupid. And I'm trying to be a better person. It is wrong. I mean, to to jack those lyrics. I wonder how much they went for. My bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) I had to be much... uh, I would imagine, I mean, much more than we could even conceive. I mean, that's a, as you sort of suggest with the story, it's a cornerstone piece of music. Right. I mean, I didn't tell you we were doing this story. And I just asked you out of the blue if you knew any of the lyrics. And I think you had the first couple lines down. Yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 the real thing. Wow. I just saw the Eagles in concert at the Forum. And I didn't want to go, I'll be honest. But my pal got him, uh, got tickets for my birthday, which is the day after Christmas. So this just happened. And uh, I went and I had a great time. Steely Dan opened. And since then, I've I've done nothing but been down big YouTube things with Steely Dan, and et cetera, and also with the Eagles. But the reason I mentioned it about lyrics is that the Eagles are there. They've done these songs a jillion times. There is a monitor to the right of Don Henley, and it's got lyrics on it. It's a teleprompter. And it made total sense to me. I mean, you know, you're, it may be exactly because he's done it a million times that he could glitch out. You know what I mean? He's just, he's not doing, he's not to- totally engaged that way anymore. Uh, but it just, it was a wild thing. When I saw it, I thought, wow, that's, and then I thought, oh, it kind of does make sense. Yeah. I guess there ain't no way to hide that teleprompter. <laughs> Is that well common? I feel like maybe Bruce Springsteen has, I've read that he's had one. Am I making that up? Oh, no, I don't I think, know. I think most performers have them. I saw Johnny Mathis, and he supposedly does not have, he's 88, and he does not have a prompter. And I, I questioned his manager, and I questioned him. 
I said, Johnny, you're telling me you do two hours of music. And I mean, nope. He said, I've done the song so many times. So anyway. They're just ingrained. I mean, the way that you could come up with the um, the aforementioned lyrics um, to Hotel California. And here's a story in Health Nudes. Hundreds of cancer researchers from across the country are meeting in Texas. The annual conference is looking for answers to why the disease disproportionately affects Latinos. Dr. Amelie Ramirez with the University of Texas Health System says they believe it's a combination of both the DNA and environmental factors. It's similar to research into why diabetes affects so many Hispanics. Those at the conference in San Antonio say one of the problems is that Latinos are underrepresented in clinical trials. Dr. Ramirez with the University of Texas Health System says the leading cause of death among Latinos is now cancer. And I wanted to ask you about the movie Oppenheimer because I thought I've been thinking a lot about cancer in terms of that movie. And I'll tell you why. And I'm curious your opinion. The whole time I was watching that movie, I was thinking, but wouldn't this be great if we did this for cancer? Like we got all the best minds in the world and we convince them to move somewhere and don't come out until you fix it. Yeah. The problem with cancer is that there's so many different types of cancer and they evolve in the body biologically differently as I understand it. So you're looking at a genetic connection often, you're looking at a uh, cellular uh, overproduction and a, a, a perversion of the way the body normally reproduces cells. Uh, there's, I mean, I understand most people are aware of what I've just said, but I'm, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is just under that umbrella, there's so many different disciplines within the discipline of treating cancer. And then there's the question of treating cancer. You know, there's the avoiding cancer, beating back cancer, treatment of cancer. It is a, it's an industry uh, and, it, and they have made improvements about how they treat it. But I think a lot of alternative therapies are now included in those therapy regimens that many people are dealing with. But um, I think it's it's one of those Rubik's Cubes problems that involves so many different elements that it may be very hard to like say, you're not coming out of that room until you come up with an answer because there's just not one answer or even they're not 50 answers. They're, you know, 5,050 for depend, depending on the situation. What I'm, That's an what excellent I'm, point. What I'm bummed about, and then I've got John Roth and John, don't worry, we'll we'll if we'll hopefully have a good time to visit with you. But I, what I did want to mention is that um, uh, I've forgotten now. <laughs> did you just interrupt yourself? I did, and it was uh, inelegantly done. But there you go. Something about um, cancer. Did I, do we have time it. for one more story before we quickly wrap it up one more, and then we uh, we must go? Okay. Well, this. Uh, is a story about Trader Joe's. Uh, this story from SF Gate. Bay Area Trader Joe's stores are putting a limit on a new frozen item after social media posts made it go viral. The Dutch grill cakes have been hard to come by since they were released last fall. What? After a viral video. Yes. Was that you sneezing? That was Albert with uh, <laughs> the uh, Oprah what? Oh, thank you, Oprah. Uh, yeah, so people have been 
suggesting that these griddle cakes have a strong resemblance to the McDonald's McGriddle breakfast sandwiches. And since then, folks have taken to social media to post videos of themselves recreating the breakfast sandwich at home with the coveted Trader Joe's griddle cake. Again, this story from SF Gates. So if you're trying to get one of those in the Bay Area, just bring your friend if you want to get two because it's one Per they, they're rationing them, yeah. And this they're is rationing. their new hoax. Yeah, the Dutch griddle cakes at Trader Joe's. Wow, they do look good, huh? Don't oh. they? Really, really good. Well, they're rationed, but they're still there. They're still there, exactly. And uh, I'm Teresa Strasser filling in for Kim McAllister today on the Mark Thompson Show. Right on, Teresa. fantastic. Yeah, right on. Well done. The Mark Thompson Show. Teresa, you'll enjoy meeting this next guy. He's a an absolute encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to President's American history. He has many comments on this country and what's going on on the world stage. He had a show on KGO, and we excitedly bring him in every Wednesday. And I will tell you that you should also subscribe to his podcast, which is called Around the Political World with John Rothman. He is John Rothman. Hi, John. How are you? By the way, I loved your mention of Johnny Mathis. I want to point out he was a graduate of my alma mater, George Washington High School oh, in San Francisco. Right. So we have Nick Wilmerdine, we have George Washington High School. Teddy, we're really rolling here. Where'd you go to high school, Mark? Oh, uh, I was in Washington, D.C. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm in Washington, D.C. Uh, but I will tell you that his, uh, I believe his high school years, and you can confirm this maybe, um, I know I don't think he's a contemporary of yours, but you might just know that he was a track star, as I he recall. He was a track star. He? And you must know that when San Francisco State University, where he went to school, San Francisco College, needed a track, he donated the money for the track. And I wow. want to also uh, tell you that he has been extremely generous with Washington High School. And uh, he uh, has contributed whenever we've asked for any any help. And he's just a phenomenal guy. Yeah, oh, that's cool. He seemed really, really... Uh... Well, can he, I, can I just did, point out, Teresa, just so you know this, I became president of the George Washington High School Alumni Association 50 years ago in May, and I am retiring after 50 years this May. And so I've been very familiar with Washington High School and all of its comings and goings. Yeah, he's a good Oh, he's well, a, congratulations on a, on, on a fruitful long term. And he's I'm hoping somebody will nominate mayor me. of San Francisco, aren't you, John? Yes, I was mayor of San Francisco in Youth in Government Day in 1966, the best run day in the history of San Francisco. <laughs> I should also point out, I was also Emperor Norton in the Court of Historical Review. So when you refer to me, it should be Mr. President, Your Imperial Majesty. Wow. And, uh, well, I, I can think of a few other accolades that I could That's, throw my own way. It's a... <laughs> Well, that's your majesty, <laughs> your majesty, but you're familiar with Lick Wilmerding where I went to school. I certainly am. My niece and nephew went to Lick. I had many friends who went to Lick. I even remember, I hate to say this. I'm old enough to remember when Lick was tuition free. No. Wow. So that uh, was the whole well, point. When I was there, they had a motto, head, heart and hands. And all of the students had to take trade classes. I'm yes. the daughter of a mechanic. So I had to take electric shop, machine shop wood shop drafting one and two every student had to take all of those and may i say your husband and your children are obviously very lucky to have such a handy wife and mother 
Wow, oh, how thanks. about that? John always laying it on thick early. And then usually late. He's he is a politician. He could. There's a. You don't realize this, Teresa, probably because you, you, this wouldn't be on your radar. But many in our chat, many who sort of are devotees of John Rothman, they feel he should run for mayor of San Francisco now. He should throw himself into that race. And I think there, John, there if has... I can say this, I don't mean to. I think John enjoys that question and kind of oh come on john please run more than he would actually enjoy running Wouldn't well you there agree has with that? been a draft rothman movement and i'm <laughs> delighted to report that it still exists but i always ask the question if you're a film buff you remember at the end of the movie the candidate uh, robert redford is run for the senate nobody thinks he can win he wins in the last line of the film he turns to his campaign manager having won the election and asks now what do i do right Right. I, I, that wouldn't be a problem with you. but No, uh, it certainly wouldn't. But there is that, you know. Uh, all right. Now let me ask you quickly about uh, two things that were on television, I believe, last night. One of which was the California Senate debate for the Feinstein seat that is vacant. Did you catch any of it or do you have any I thoughts did, on it? I did, and it's very interesting. Adam Schiff will certainly get one of the spots. The battle now is for number two. And that is between Katie Porter, who is a Democrat, as you know, and uh, the former champion of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who's running as a Republican. But I, I just want to make this clear. And you should interview him, by the way, Mark. He's a very interesting interview. But the point is that now we don't vote for a Democrat and a Republican. We vote for the two who get into the top position. So I hope uh, that Garvey gets, gets in, runs against Adam Schiff, and the people of California really have a choice not an echo. All right. Um, then let's pivot to the, speaking of an echo, Donald Trump uh, sitting down with Sean Hannity. In, no, it was Laura It was Laura Ingram. Oh, Laura Ingram. One hour sorry. between four and five. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yes, well, clearly you're familiar with it. So please speak more on this because what I saw was just, uh, he was literally just inventing stuff on NATO, on uh, on everything, on the and document And comparing himself to, uh, to the recently murdered uh, Putin's latest victim. Navalny. Uh, look, yeah. what, what can I tell you? Uh, this is uh, it's a travesty. Uh, he didn't really answer Laura Ingram's questions. He evaded them. He was playing to his audience. They had, at best, several hundred people there, all of whom were Trump supporters. And... What did we learn? Uh, not a heck of a lot, except that it appears, because this Saturday we will see the uh, election in the primary in South Carolina. Donald Trump will in all likelihood win that vote. The latest poll shows him 30 points ahead of Nikki Haley, who comes from South Carolina. And it will be very interesting to see because uh, uh, it will essentially destroy Nikki Haley's chances. So people are asking, why is she still in the race? What happens if something happens to Donald Trump? She would then be a contender. Her name would go before the convention. Of course, her problem is that she is now attacking Trump so vigorously that the Trumpies will not support her. So it's a very interesting dynamic. But uh, Donald Trump, uh, to me, is a disgrace. May I just quickly point out, he has yet to condemn Vladimir Putin, uh, and he has yet to condemn what's happening in Ukraine. And most shockingly, he hasn't even condemned the murder of the leading opposition to uh, Putin in, in Russia. So this is a man who, to me, is completely morally bankrupt, has no business being president of the United States. And if you don't believe me, talk to the people in NATO. Talk to world leaders who are horrified at the thought 
that Donald Trump would withdraw from NATO. But Navalny's death, and I want to underline this, Navalny's murder, and I want to give great credit to Karen Reed, a former producer at KGO, when the Navalny story first broke, she said, John, you have to do an hour on it. We ended up doing three hours on it. And the reason we did was because there was such interest. But uh, the tragedy here is, you know, his brother is now about to be arrested. His wife has assumed the mantle of leadership, but she is outside of Russia. His daughter, by the way, lives in California. She uh, is a student at UCLA, at least she was. Uh, and uh, it is one of the great tragedies. And may I give kudos to Joe Biden, who not only stood up and said what it was, Putin's murdering this man, but also has announced that sanctions, I think it's Friday, stiffer sanctions will be imposed on, on Russia. Not that it makes a difference. Navalny is dead, but his spirit lives on. And I made a suggestion, we'll see if it is followed up on, uh, Raul Wallenberg, the great uh, righteous Gentile who saved thousands of Jews in Hungary in 1944 and 45, was then kidnapped by the Russians, died in the gulag, uh, but uh, was made an honorary U.S. citizen because of Tom Lantos, by the way, a former member of Congress. Uh, I think Navalny should also be made an honorary United States citizen. It would be a tribute to his uh, sense, what he tried to do. And I don't know if you watched the CNN special, which won an Academy Award, but I sat here riveted as Navalny essentially outlined the tragedy that was to befall him. And he did it with brilliance and his family participating. It was really, really a great, great program. Followed, by the way, on CNN by a portrait of Vladimir Putin. Talk about an evil man uh, who ought to be condemned by the world and ought to be uh, exorcised from our uh, world politics. So let me, all of these uh, let me ask you about uh, that, John, just because you touched on so much. But, you know, the Navalny case and the reluctance of the GOP and the reluctance of Donald Trump to really comment on this and, you know, show any disdain for Vladimir Putin. And as you know, those who are showing up at memorials for Navalny, they're being arrested by the hundreds. In Russia. Uh, in in Russia. Russia, I'm talking about, yeah. So uh, so you just it speaks to and reflects the way they squash opposition of any kind, opposition speech. But I want to ask you whether or not you feel these are unwitting water carriers for Russia, the Trumps of the world, the GOP, are they, are they unwitting or are they aware that they don't want to run afoul of Putin because they have some other agenda? I don't see the political win for them domestically. So tell me what you think underlies their reluctance to, again, condemn what's happened to Navalny. You left out a third word, fear, fear. Republicans are afraid of Donald Trump. They're afraid he will primary them, which is what he threatens to do. And that is a critical factor in all of this. Okay, that's hoping, the Republicans, John. Right. Tell me why Trump uh, has been reluctant. Because it's Trump money, right? loves Putin. Trump has defended Putin. Do you remember when he stood in Helsinki and was asked who he believed, American intelligence agencies or Vladimir Putin? And with Putin standing right next to him, he said, well, I believe Vladimir Putin. Uh, Donald Trump is uh, is enamored, if you will, of dictators, and the dictator he seems to love is Putin, along with uh, uh, Orban of Hungary and uh, other world leaders. So I can only suggest to you, and I, I say this uh, with some sadness, the Republican Party needs to stand up and just say no. I can tell you that if 
previous leaders of the Republican Party were alive and they could hear what Donald Trump is saying or not saying, they'd be rolling over in their graves. The Trump history, for those who don't know it, prior to being president, but in the ramp up to becoming president, Trump very much had his eyes on Moscow as a place for a Trump hotel. He wanted a Trump hotel in Moscow very badly. And there's every manner of thought and some evidence that back-channeling a lot of these conversations prior to his ascendance to the presidency was a desire to curry favor with Putin and Russian power brokers such that he could get a Trump hotel there in Moscow. So I think it was money. Now, obviously, he has a love of these authoritarians, as you suggested, but I think underpinning a lot of it is uh, basic business. You know, the guy is just... Fortunately, uh, we don't have to choose one or the other. The cumulative result is that Donald Trump, when it comes to defending America's interest in the world and standing up for freedom, uh, does not represent the best of the Republican Party. Whether it was Dwight Eisenhower or Richard Nixon or Ronald Reagan, he simply has abdicated that responsibility. Now, what we'll see in South Carolina, which I would remind you is heavily populated by retired military, whether or not they will respond at the polls on Saturday, giving Nikki Haley the vote instead of Donald Trump. If Donald Trump wins in South Carolina uh, and wins decisively in South Carolina, uh, by March 5th, we will have a Donald Trump iron lock on the presidency that is the nomination of the Republican Party for president. It is, to me, uh, one of the most unfortunate moments in the history of the Republican Party and certainly one of the most unfortunate moments in the history of the United States. Uh, the Republican Party's strength now will be if Donald Trump is defeated and they have to rebuild themselves. And what we have to hope for is that when the Republican Party rebuilds itself, it will rebuild itself in the image not of a Donald Trump, but of previous Republican presidents like Eisenhower, Nixon, or Reagan. Abdicate is a ding word. Well done. Now, tell me about what you think may happen in Georgia. This, uh, there, you know, this really speaks to the undermining of the election. Now you have questions surrounding the prosecutor. Uh, give me a moment on that. On the issue is not D.A. Willis. The issue is, did Donald Trump try to interfere in the election? That's what ought to be the question, and I think it should be. What, no matter what happens in Georgia, this issue will be part of Mr. Smith's case, uh, which is going to be considered in the federal courts, uh, I expect, in the not-too-distant future. There is no doubt about the interference. You could play, as I played repeatedly, the words of the Secretary of State of uh, Georgia, Mr. Raffensperger, uh, in which Donald Trump actually is on tape uh, talking about getting more votes. So that's it. I, I have to make a comment. I know we're running out of time. I just want to say a word about this uh, case in Alabama. Well, before you I get want... to the case in Alabama, it's my show, and damn it, you're going to let me do the agenda. No, I hate no, that no. when you do that. Why should I it's do that? It's outrageous. They heaven. do this to me. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do I have do a guest for. on, and he was a host on his own show. He thinks he can just move the conversation anything he wants. How dare you? How dare you? It's all right. For what you're paying you me, I can do almost anything. Go oh, ahead. my God. Why are you yelling? Just on the Georgia thing, yes. and you mentioned it, which is why I wanted to mention it. You mentioned the federal trial that may get underway, the question of overturning the election. Governor Brian Kemp, who you'll remember, pushed back on that intense pressure from Donald Trump 
to overturn the 2020 election. And there were already results in his state, but he wanted, Trump did, Kemp to come out and say, no, we've got questions about the count. He was called by as a witness, uh, and he will be called as a witness. I listened to the interview that he did on CNN the other day, uh, very powerful. And if I were Donald Trump, that's what I'd be afraid of. What happens in the Willis case in Georgia and her personal picadillos, uh, it doesn't really concern me. What concerns me is that Donald Trump did try to interfere, that no matter what happens in the Georgia case, he will be cited on that in the federal case, that Raffensperger and Governor Kemp have both been called on to offer information to uh, Mr. Smith. And I, I fully expect that in the end, it will all come out. You know, I got to say, a lot of people asked us, and I know it's you and me on KGO, what was taking so long? The wheels of justice may turn slowly, but in the end, they will reveal the truth that it will not be good for Donald Trump. Well, I hope you're right. I don't necessarily sign on to that. I think these delays uh, can be really, they could they can cut both ways, though, to be fair. They can yeah. cut against I, Trump. But I um, have to believe in the American Peccadillos system. is a ding word. Uh, I, I've got to move on, John. Don't How dare you try to seize control again after I've just <laughs> reprimanded you? It's insane. Seriously, what the f***? All right, now Alabama, talk to oh, me. Oh, good, thank heaven. I was hoping Kim McAllister would be here. Because well, Teresa is here, and Teresa yeah. spoke, Hi, I Teresa. thought, quite well in the first. Wow, uh, yeah. wow, that was an attack, John Rothman. I hope you're happy. <laughs> I'm very sensitive. Uh, you just oh, let me tell you, I would never attack you. I think the world of you and I—we've only wow. just met. But yeah. let me indicate to you on this uh, question. John's making friends today. Debate. Go ahead. Yes, I had a long. Yeah, I had a long. He's always interrupting. I had a long debate with Kim McAllister about this uh, because we both have had questions of fertility issues and so forth. And uh, I said to her when uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, they're going to go after the question of this whole situation dealing with in vitro fertilization. And Kim wasn't quite sure, but I was sure. And I'm going to tell you, this is another great challenge for the Republican Party. Uh, The Republican Party runs uh, on a strict pro-life, if you will, platform. And what has happened in Alabama will have far-reaching implications. Uh, Personally, I believe that in vitro fertilization is one of the most important single developments in allowing people to have families. And this was a decision that uh, was made by the Alabama court. And if you read the decisions, it's based on religion. It's based on their view of the Bible. Well, I believe in a separation of church and state. And all I can say is now the Republican Party will have to declare itself on another issue. Do you believe that a woman has the right not only to control her own body, which I believe is an absolute, but should a woman have the right with her husband to secure the ability to have a child? And so this is going to be something, if you take a look, and I urge everybody, take a look at the religious motivation. I couldn't believe the Chief Justice of that Supreme Court talking about the religious aspects of this, just ridiculous. And uh, I, I, I expect this will be a major issue in the election of 2024. Uh, you know, I'm reading... I think I'm rereading this. I believe I read it a long time ago. Fortunately, I can't remember anything, so everything is like being uh, read you know, for the first time. You know, time. if I may, Mark, Mark, yes. you know, the three signs of getting older. The first one is... Uh... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it. Open a CQ checking account and get $250 to spend freely. And that's not all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. Visit SECUMD.org today. Don't you? <laughs> Come on, John Rothman. Um, let me take my credibility glasses off. But uh, you were talking about religion, the separation of church and state. And, you know, I believe increasingly, and it's, I would say it was almost a creep before, but now it is uh, a full stride. There is a religiosity that is beginning to rule so many parts of America. And the fundamentalism that we're seeing today, I'd suggest to you, is different than just mainstream Christianity. This is a hard right uh, religious fundamentalist notion as to how religion should inform public policy. And this is just the beginning. It's scary. And I was just rereading a book essentially that suggests that over time, this, you know, male hierarchy, which claims to speak for the Lord, uh, is going to subjugate women in other ways. Well, if you check CNN yesterday, I believe, there was a story on how the hard religious right is planning to play a central role in the Trump administration should he become president again. That should scare every single one of us. So I think this is a matter, and if you ask me about the election, if you talk about this question of in vitro fertilization coupled with the question of a woman's right to control her own body, the question of Trump on foreign policy and where he stands on Russia, and you deal with a variety of issues which the Republican Party will now have to face. With Donald Trump as the nominee, I think it gives a big advantage to uh, the Democrats. One other quick point, and that is that if you've been watching and listening to what's happening in South Carolina, the former governor of South Carolina, who is Donald Trump's major opponent, may go down to a crushing defeat, but she is slashing Donald Trump with everything she has. And I would suggest to you that the odds, the odds of her supporting Donald Trump in the presidential election, if he's the nominee, I think are, are limited. So I'm watching that as well. It's interesting, though. She will not commit to not supporting him. She will not commit. It's, yeah, it's she, odd how she does a two-step on that. Here you well, are. You have as to, you say, because, she's slashing him. But when he's, well, but if he's the nomination, will you support him? And she goes, well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be the nominee, et cetera. You know, a typical political response. Of course. Uh, and uh, all I can say is I'm, I'll be watching all weekend because that is going to be one of the most critical moments. And let me just point out to you, then there's a question, if something happens to Donald Trump uh, before the convention and he has a majority of the delegates, what happens? And this is a great question people are asking. And the answer is that it wouldn't necessarily be an open convention in the, as it was in the old days because you don't have uncommitted delegates. You don't have favorite son candidates, which means the Republican convention will have a narrow choice. Ron DeSantis suspended his campaign because as a suspended candidate, you can still be viewed as an active candidate. So uh, we now have several of these individuals who are suspending their candidacies. And that will make and Nikki Haley, uh, if she loses, I don't think she'll withdraw. There's no reason for her to withdraw. Well, none of them have really withdrawn, even That's the right. ones who have performed, you know, I suppose more poorly than Haley. I'm talking about DeSantis, et cetera. They 
uh, suspend so that they can jump back in should something That's happen. That's exactly to Trump. correct. And I don't think people understand that. One day, Mark, we should do a commentary or a discussion about what an open convention once was. Uh, and it, it's very interesting. The power of the Republican National Committee is also interesting. Ronna Romney McDaniel is being removed. And Donald Trump is installing as his person someone who agrees in his election lies, along with Laura Trump, his daughter-in-law, who will be the co-chair of the Republican National Committee. Do you remember on the ellipse on January 6th when uh, Donald Trump Jr. said the Republican Party doesn't exist anymore, this is the party of Donald Trump? I regret to say he's probably right. And well, that has the other to thing is that, that, that Laura Trump's already said that the monies that are raised are going to go toward re-electing Donald Trump, which means... And paying his legal bills. Well, that's just what I was saying, which means paying those legal bills that got to be paid. Uh, you know, maybe you should run for president, and then you could raise money, and you could spend the money on the Mark Thompson program, which I know everybody supports. They're all you. hitting the right button. They're Thank all you. John, the right is, uh, John segues seamlessly. You can see what a fine professional he is <laughs> to uh, the fact that we are a crowdfunded show. Thank you for that. I... Uh, Look, Nikki Haley is not going to win in South Carolina. You know it as much as I do. Uh, it'll be Trump, and it looks like Biden. On your way out here, I have a final question. You're hearing the drumbeats for someone other than Biden. You're hearing that from the people who beat the drum better than anybody else. It's lib on lib. It's Democrats on Democrats. And Democrats are saying, we need somebody else besides Joe Biden, if we want to win. Look at the polls. Most of America feels he's too old. Now, the reality is, given a candidate like Trump, it feels to me like Biden has beaten him and will beat him. But the idea is, and then I'll stop and I'll let you speak, the idea is that the messaging that you need to do and the vitality that's required out there on the campaign trail, he just doesn't have. And so for that reason, he's the wrong candidate. Your thoughts? People don't vote for, they vote against. And I'm telling you, people will vote against Donald Trump. If Joe Biden is the nominee, he will be elected. He will defeat Donald Trump. Kamala Harris, also vice president, she is not being dumped. She's staying right there despite all this talk about other possibilities. So I have every expectation that Joe Biden, if he can, is going to run the distance. Uh, but I will tell you, it's not just that we're voting for a president. You and I will have vigorous discussions about the vice presidential choice. I heard you mention Carrie Lake earlier before we went on the program. She is being seriously considered by Donald Trump for vice president of the United and States. Teresa's seen her as a news anchor. Remember, Teresa, you were uh, telling me she's used to seeing her as an anchor person in Arizona. And she was defeated yeah. for governor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But she so, does have support there. I mean, she, she's not without some support. Anyway, John. Well, um, let me just point out, Teresa clearly has a marvelous career. And Teresa, I think you would be a wonderful candidate for vice president on any <laughs> ticket. Wow. He's always. Thank you so much. I was, he's a I, was going to, um, I was going to break in with the news that the Department of Justice is putting together a task force to investigate your hijacking of Mark's show. I got. <laughs> oh my God! I well, just so long that. as you don't have any witnesses. I mean, you have witnesses. But I don't want any witnesses because I want I want all of them discredited the same way is going to happen on the oh. Biden impeachment. Thompson party of four. Okay, I got to get, get back we, to we, my we table. Get the off. 
We didn't get to Smirnoff, but it's okay. I understand. Oh, Smirnoff. Give me, give me a minute on Smirnoff. Go ahead. Hey, which Smirnoff one of you is Mark Thompson? Is the, uh, he's the key <laughs> witness. He's the key witness in the case that the GOP is bringing against Biden and his son. And Go what ahead. a wonderful witness he is. Turns out he got all his disinformatia from Russia. So yeah. all I can tell you is this is just great news for everybody. And I know we have to close. Teresa, you understand. It's not that I want to hijack the Mark Thompson program. It is like every radio talk show host. We are only slightly egomaniacal. And therefore, mm. we're always reluctant to give up the, being the center of attention. But uh, Teresa, may I say it was a high honor and great personal privilege to be with you. Mark obviously has very good taste in people who come in to fill for Kim McAllister. And as for you, Mark Thompson, you are forgiven. And by the way, would you give my warmest good wishes <laughs> to my warmest good wishes to uh, your parents? Uh, thank you so much, John Rothman. John, and don't forget. Tell them to hit the right button so they can yes, contribute hit to the Yes, hit that like button, show. right. Hit the like button. It's good. It's good. It's good. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Okay, bye -bye. The Mark Thompson Show. Oh, my God. Show. It was great. I loved it. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. Morning. You cannot say you love your country. Where are my weed smokers at? Stay at home and get baked. Yeah, you're right on. Big, big bowl of Rothman today. Wow. You see what he does, wow. Teresa? He, I, yeah. I enjoyed him so much. He seems really smart. I feel like he could beat that eight-year-old in chess. <laughs> Ashwa, right? What? Oh, that's right. Good. Well, he. I, I'll, I know one thing, that that eight-year-old's not going to get a word in edgewise. It'll be uh, Rothman. Let me tell you something, Mark. I already feel bad about my performance on your show, and I, too, Wish that Kim McAllister were here because I, she's, a so well. oh, she's a lot more versed. She's a lot more versed in 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 the hard news. But I no, did enjoy you're, him. You're, we we uh, we love you, so please. Um, uh, but uh, it is time to acknowledge um, mm. Gail Guthrie. You know, we are big super sticker super chat uh, folks because we're crowdfunded, so all our money comes that way. And uh, Gail Guthrie is Hall of Fame with uh, supporting us along the way. Gail Guthrie with a 10 spot. Big shout out. Yeah. Oh, I was saying I gave up a lot of things. And yeah, thanks for not giving up broadcasting. Th oh, that's oh, so sweet. That's I right. Gave. It was piano, chess, mm. tennis. My dad was a table tennis champion. There were all these uh, trophies of uh, table tennis, ping pong around the oh, house. Um, I, that is the only sport that I've ever been good at in my life. And in fact... I was trash talking our mutual friend Ben Mankowitz because oh, I yeah. can beat anybody. He, no, he's play, very good. He's very good. I used to play play my brother, and I just I grew up playing him, and I got really good. I'm terrible at every sports. I'm uncoordinated, but I I really thought when I go over to the Mankowitz household, like I'm going to destroy Ben, and he's going to be so impressed. No, no, I could not score a point on him. He's so steady. It is he my, just returns everything. It is one of my life goals to beat Ben in uh, ping pong. So is uh, it even close when you play? No, no. I, I've gotten a couple of games where I've gotten close, but it's always been like he beats me by five or something like that. Uh, Wes, uh, thank you. Big shout out to you Big for a five out. spot. And Spencer, thank you. Big shout out with a five spot. Appreciate that. And Croquet Film says it would be amusing to hear from Garvey. So we'll try to maybe get Garvey on. As I say, I'm talking to his uh, his people. So 
Um, I would like to find out what Ron say the penguin is up to. <laughs> That's right. Well, he does have a window on those uh, those old Dodger players. So if that's your jam, you know, Look, you'll get it. I, I watched many a Dodger game back mm. in Steve Garvey and Ron Say's day. Well, uh, let's grab some news from Teresa filling in for Kim. Right, Albert? Isn't that what you would uh, counsel here? Some news. We have Jim Slayton who just donated a five. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Big shout out. Thank you. It's, this is the weird thing about YouTube, Teresa, which I didn't realize. I just kind of brought the radio show over. You worry about content. Now you worry about a couple of visuals, your guests, et cetera. But you always have to turn it into a telethon at some point. Like it, you have to fundraise because you're crowdfunded. Like if we don't, we just go away. So it's very cool that, um, that Albert mentioned that because uh, we need to acknowledge those who uh, step up. Albert, and of thank course, you. course, the Patreon and PayPal – is the best way to contribute on an ongoing basis. TheMarkThompsonShow.com. Go to the website, TheMarkThompsonShow.com, and click the Patreon or PayPal links, and they'll take you right there. There's also PayPal and Patreon links under every video. So if you're watching this right now, it's right there. You don't even need to go to the main website if you um, would rather just click it that way. All right. Uh, Teresa for Kim. We'll get some news, and then we continue. Mark Thompson. The Mark Thompson Show. Well, Mark, they're yellow, a little slimy, and they could soon be the official Golden State Slug. Assemblymember Gail Pellerin is introducing a bill which would recognize the banana slug as an emblem of the state. According to the bill, banana slugs can be found as far north as Del Norte, County and as far south as San Diego County, there are seven types of banana slugs found in California, only one of which can be found outside the state. If this bill passes, the banana slug would join other state symbols inducted into the California code, like the state mushroom, the California golden chanterelle. Wow, I love it actually. Do you it's know colorful. which UC school is the banana slugs are their mascot? Oh, that's a great question. Which UC school mm -hmm. has the banana slug as their mascot? In the chat, I'll take guesses. Please. In the live chat. I mean, Bay Area folks should know this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Albert, you know it? Yeah, we got even even former producer John, John Daly's in here with the answer to oh. Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Cruz. A lot yeah. of people with Santa, Santa Cruz. Right? Bravo. That yeah. is correct. Santa Cruz. The ages of President Biden and former President Trump are being targeted by Nikki Haley, who's come up already a lot today. In an appearance on News Nation's The Hill, Haley argued both President Biden and Donald Trump are too old for another term, saying, quote, there's a reason pilots can't fly after 65. There's a reason in the military they make you retire before 65. Haley said Biden and Trump don't exhibit, quote, normal behavior and argued neither of them is fit for office. They are uh, Biden and Trump are 81 and, eight, and 77, respectively. It's crazy. I mean, this is, as I was saying to John, uh, something that you're not only hearing 
from the GOP banging on Biden. You're certainly hearing that. But you're also hearing it from the Democrats in a big, big way. And it's interesting. They're saying, essentially, the argument is we can't beat anybody with this guy, even though he's been competent and he's done a good job. He's not a good campaigner. The the ding on Biden is that he's never, like since he's become in the last 10 years and, you know, an older guy, been really uh, uh, representing vitality and representing high energy and these things that, you know, people respond to on the stump. So Joe Biden, the current iteration of Joe Biden as an 80-year-old guy, is a guy who can look feeble, weak, and even though his administration is getting a lot of stuff done, and clearly the people that he's assembled from an administrative standpoint actually know what they're doing, and there's a track record, it's not a situation unlike, Teresa, you know this because you lived in, and you cross-pollinated with that show business crew, actors will tell you there are actors who audition well, and there are actors who are good on the set. And sometimes you can audition really well, but not really be good in the movie. And sometimes you can audition poorly and just can't get the audition process to work for you, but you're actually an insanely great actor who on the set crushes it. I feel that Biden, I'm not saying he's insanely good, but I'd certainly say that he's not a good auditioner. He's not a good campaigner. And he seems as a leader within the presidency, to be competent and to have actually produced a track record that there can be some pride around. So that's my take on it. That's a really interesting point, that auditioning and performing are two different skill sets and campaigning and governing are two different skill sets, which is unfortunate because you can be tremendous at one. And then when you get elected, you you just you don't have the set of skills that are needed to govern. Like you said, you could be great at auditioning, which is basically showing off. And then when you get the role, you might not be great at doing it. And you might not be uh, a fun guy to have around, um, <laughs> you know, on, on set. Um, another story that's not getting as much attention uh, about Biden is that over a billion dollars of student loan debt forgiveness is being announced by the Biden administration. Borrowers in the Saving on a Valuable Education or SAVE, S-A-V-E program, who have made at least 10 years of payments, will be receiving an email from President Biden today that amounts to an estimated 153,000 borrowers. Wow. This is another bite at that apple, right, to try to make this happen. The last one well, we, was challenged. We uh, were a couple music stories. Of course, we talked about uh, the the... Taylor Swift. Hotel effect. California and Taylor Swift. Talk about Hotel California, Taylor Swift. Beatlemania is set to hit theaters in a big way. Director Sam Mendes will helm four separate films on each member of the Fab Four. The families of John Lennon and George Harrison, along with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, have all granted full story and music rights for the movies. Mendes said that he's, quote, honored to be telling the story of the greatest rock band of all time and excited to challenge the notion of what constitutes a trip to the movies. The films are expected to arrive in theaters 2027. Well, Beatlemania used to be, some of you older boys and girls maybe remember, that the Beatlemania phenomenon was 
literally the tagline was not the Beatles, but an incredible simulation. It was a bunch of guys who looked like the Beatles and they did this thing called Beatlemania and it was huge. Uh, this new Beatlemania seems like it's going to be very much the Beatles, although it's going to be focused on each Beatle. Now, is this, did you, did I understand you right? It's going to be four separate yeah. mini films or films, full length. This is going to be a series on Netflix or something? You know, that's a great question, whether it'll be streaming or in theaters, but it's definitely four films that focus on each of the fam Fab Four. And I mean, you you think you know their stories, but it's endlessly interesting to me. Yeah. Like I could hear about John Lennon for another two hour film. No problem. Even though we've all seen many documentaries about their music. How long were the Beatles a group? How long were the Beatles a group? Oh. <laughs> uh, UC How Santa long Cruz? were the Beatles a rock band? They formed in Liverpool in 1960. How long, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> were they active? How long? Nine years, says Spencer. Nine years? 11,780 years, says Trevor Starr. <laughs> I get it, because that's the number of votes that Donald Trump was looking for. 16 years, says Calvin Wong, who's the shadow producer of this show. Seven years, says Nit One. 12 years, says Brian. Eight years, says Walter. How long were the Beatles actually? 10 years is the answer from Randy. Nice done, nicely done. 1960 to 1970, they say officially. Anyway. I like that we've turned this into a quiz show today. Well, I enjoy quiz shows and happy to uh, always turn anything into a quiz show. Is the truth. Do we have time for another story? Hell yeah. Go for it. Albert? Are you a real estate person? Is that right? Do we? Do we? <laughs> Albert, thank you. Do we have time or not? I Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Teresa. You've got okay. a lot of time, actually. Go ahead. I don't know if you guys are real estate people, but I'm I love, there's an account on Instagram called Zillow Gone Wild. It's so <laughs> much fun. It'd be like a house in some random place with like um, a baseball diamond or, you know, just crazy stuff. Well, Here's a local story. There's a $2.494 million home on Carl Street in San Francisco's Coal Valley, Coal Valley. This, according to SF Gate, that is unique in both its history and its characteristics, particularly the large pool that was once the epicenter of some star-studded parties. This 1908 property is technically a condo that's part of a three-building compound, meaning that 61 Carl Street shares one lot with two other homes. Uh, so it doesn't really feel like a combo, but there are, like a condo, I should say, but there are very, very few privately owned pools in the city of San Francisco. So I will say this, though, Teresa, and you know me. this as a former San Franciscan, the reason for that is uh, it's not really warm enough a lot of the time for you to enjoy a pool, right? I mean, it's just not, it's not pool weather might be a way to put it, especially during this. the summer. I grew up in San Francisco and never, like the idea that somebody would have a pool at their home would have blown my mind. 
Like I, I, I never seen anyone's home with a pool. Now here in Arizona, uh, a lot of people have a pool because you know, it's 142 degrees. So I was really surprised to see this story. And I mean, considering San Francisco real estate prices, you know, it's under two and a half million dollars. Right. I, when you said that, I thought, wait a minute, with the pool and then it, it all falls into place. You share it with these other uh, buildings or structures or technically townhomes or condos, I guess, as you were saying. But uh, the truth is they're all homes and in the collective. I'm sure they have an HOA, you know. And that somebody's going to be peeing in the pool and that person has to be called up before the HOA and the other two residents have to. And now you have to live next door to somebody that you've just browbeaten and during a meeting uh, it, it, there. Can, don't be before you buy it. Talk to me. That's all I'm saying. I feel like all but, the cool uh, kids are doing the cold plunges and that seems like a natural cold plunge in San Francisco. <laughs> that's certainly true. That's a good point. It, yeah. It's definitely you. You'll find more pools, maybe South Bay and Marin, don't you think? And maybe in Contra Costa County, a little bit more inland, away from the sea breeze. Somebody but, in man. San Anselmo probably has a nice mm, pool. Yeah, that's it, right? But I mean, the city come on. for a pool, yeah, it just feels a little chilly. But it it sure does look pretty terrific to have it there. Anyway, that's a cool story. I love that. I I love those real estate stories. We usually do stories of high end real estate along that that Zillow gone wild or what you where we were saying the. Um, oh, it's uh, so much fun! You can find someone's like someone's uh, got like a silo. Like I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we uh, usually uh, do it in a segment we call "That's Rich," um, alongside other uh, rich people stories. You know, like of yachts and whatever other acquisitions and movement of money. But Speaking there it is, Zillow people, gone wild. Yes, yeah. it is so fun. I mean, I'm not associated with that account, but I enjoy it. Uh, speaking of wealthy people, and I'll I'll yeah I'll end this newscast with this story. We've heard so much about what Travis Kelsey is doing following the Super Bowl, but what about the 49ers? Well, SF Gate is reporting that after playing nearly the maximum possible number of NFL games this season. The San Francisco 49ers and their families are getting some well-earned time off for three stars and their partners. That meant a holiday in a destination popular for many California vacationers, Cabo, San Lucas, tight end George Kittle, running back Christian McCaffrey, and fullback Kyle Juszczyk jetted to Mexico for their President's Day weekend. The trio and their partners... Claire Kittle, model Olivia Culpo, and designer Kristen Juszczyk. You know, she's famous for making all the jackets, including the one Taylor Swift wore. Yeah. Uh, they're clearly pals outside of football. The men were spotted gambling in Vegas the day after the Super Bowl, and the ladies spent much of that week partying together on the Strip. Anyway, paparazzi caught the group on this beach in Mexico. And whether Oh, here's the are these pictures. Oh, it's not. That, that's that's the, okay. So that's, that's the Juszczyk's jacket. Yeah. jacket. Yes. Right. And she is really talk about the Swift effect. I mean, she's gotten a licensing deal with the NFL. Wow. Everybody wants those jackets, and they are really cool looking, I have to say. Yeah. Um, There's never anyway, been anything like this. All right. That's been pretty there great. hasn't. These three 49ers ran into quarterback legend Peyton Manning at a beachside bar. Photos were snapped for uh TMZ uh, showing Kittle in a wide brim sun hat and typically ostentatious beach ensemble do i don't know where brock Purdy have, is you, uh, yeah where's brock but do you have that shot albert from tmz that uh 
shot of your Niners. I mean, Kamish, this, this is your team. <laughs> this is our team. I would I've think already, be... I've been on a non-football moratorium. Uh, I said... to not, Are you, you look? Know. Listen, Albert, thank I you. Uh, I was watching the Super Bowl with my dad, who's uh, you know many many decades as a as a 49er fan, and I was a little worried. He rode his bike over and he was riding his bike home after the game. I was a little little worried about my dad, uh, but the next day, sanguine, he said, "Look." I was just worried about Brock Purdy. I wanted him to have a good game. He played well. It wasn't his fault. Couple fluke plays. They took the Chiefs into overtime. What more could you ask from Brock Purdy? Wow, that your dad sounds like a really cool guy. And sanguine is a ding word. Uh, I really think that uh, that's the kind of maturity, Albert, that you could aspire to. Albert, thank you. You know, you sh you need to see beyond instead of cocooning yourself in some world that doesn't include any football news. How dare you? <laughs> Go back to those beach scenes, by the way. Go back. How can you put them up there while Teresa's speaking? And then I don't have a chance to comment on them. Cause... Why are you yelling? <sighs> Albert, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Why are you How yelling? do you feel about next season? Albert I'm feels... good. I'm fine. We'll be we'll be fine. I'm just still I'm still recovering. So. Yeah, I, I and I, you know, when you're as swept up, it's difficult. So that's uh that's George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. And their partners and wives, all there in Cabo. It's cool that they hang out together. I kind of like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Kelsey and Mahomes are close. And mm. that kind of chemistry helped. I mean, you always got the feeling um, Tom Brady was close with uh, Julian Edelman and uh, Gronkowski, right? Like, you want to have chemistry. But then again, Shaq and Kobe hated each other, and they played so well together all those years. Yeah, that's. I didn't realize that. They hated each other? There was a long time with it. You, Shaq and Kobe? Oh, my gosh. I know they were competitive, but did they really hate each other? Yes. Yeah, they went it through was... a period where they didn't talk. So, mm. Oh, that's yeah. pretty. Uh... And then and then Kobe wanted to get traded, and then Shaq actually got traded. And then they, uh, yeah. But when Shaq left the Lakers, they still went on to the championship under Kobe, right? With Pau Gasol in 20, 2000, like around 2010, 2009, 10, 11. Right. So it, that was important to Kobe. I Albert, thank you. To be able to do it without. Um... But Shaq also won without. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He won in Miami. When he in won. Miami, they yeah. they crushed, right? I told you about. Was that Pat Riley who was po co po coaching? Who was coaching that team? Yeah, Pat Riley, and, uh, Bay Area native Gary Payton made a late run to win his first only championship with them, too. So I was in Malibu having lunch, if I can uh, just... Uh, Girl, you just yeah, woo. Yeah, I'm just woo that way. And Are we doing that rich people segment right now? No, we're doing... How dare you? <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for. I don't understand why. I just can't make a reference. I mentioned Malibu because I didn't expect to see this person there. And I see this incredible. Don't talk to me that way. Incredible vehicle. It's a um, black. I think they, there was a term for it. It was in the ZZ Top videos. That black. Um, what is it called? It's called like a lead something with lead in the. Somebody will know in the chat. Anyway, it's gorgeous. This beautiful. It was the ZZ Top car. Albert, find it so the story can be put in context. Google it. And. Although I haven't given you much to Google, but it's I think it's lead something because literally some of the car was shaped with 
lead back in the old days. Is it the Cadzilla? Uh, let maybe. me see it. Uh, maybe I'll have to just pull maybe. up the image. So uh, I'm just ooing and eyeing over this card. I'm looking at it without touching it. You know how you get your face up to it without actually making contact. And then this guy shows up, super tall guy and his wife with gray hair slicked back. And I thought, God, who is that guy? That guy looks so familiar to me. And I, I go, oh, oh, and it's his car. And he opened it. I said, oh, wow. I said, we, I, we were just admiring your car. It's really incredible. He said, oh, thank you very much. It was uh, a gift from, I thought he said some musician or something. I was like, really? I thought, oh, geez, I, I, there's more going on. The lead sled, exactly. Thank you, BW Rock. That's exactly it. It's the lead sled. Pick up a picture of the lead sled, Albert, and put it up there. It's black. Google it. And it's See that? Okay, so wow. imagine that tricked out as hell. And I'm looking at this again. Thank you, Beth Farmer. Highly customized lead sled. So he gets in and he drives away. And as he drives away, I realize it is Pat Riley, who lives in Malibu with his wife. And they live that, you know, rock and roll kind of life, I guess. But um, so. I scream up the road in my car, and I pull up next second. to him. Were you driving the asbestos bus? <laughs> Trying to I catch roll up down with the, the window sled? because I know I'm thinking Pat Riley is probably really offended that I didn't know who he was, you know. And I might have even said, "Are you in music or something like that?" Something like even more embarrassing. And so I felt like personally humiliated. I scream up PCH, and I in my car, there's a light, and I pull up alongside, and I go, by the way, I know who you are, Pat Riley. Good to see you. It was like I added embarrassment on top of the other embarrassment. It was like there was no righting the wrong. Just take the loss. You know what I mean? Hey, which one of you is Mark Thompson? Thank you. It was one of my most humiliating. Uh, uh, actually, it wasn't even top 10 most humiliating, but it, it was definitely humiliating. Well, I'd love to hear one through three. I've got time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Teresa Strasser, for uh, filling in for uh, for Kim. Uh, we've got um, we've got a big uh, segment that we call um, um, "Stars in the Sky." We're not going to do it quite yet. I have to. Um, uh, what do I have to do, Albert? I've got to uh, do a sweeper. I think, don't I? A sweeper and a keeper. Yeah. All right. I like next. that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, Stars in the Sky next. Mark Thompson show. The Mark Thompson. Thompson show. Who's Mark Thompson? Feels great, baby. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. No context will suffice to explain the hurt and anguish caused by my words. I apologize to all who have been hurt. stand corrected i misspoke my words upset so many people and i wanted to apologize to the asian community the asian american community god bless america the end there's never been anything like this do i hit it long is trump strong huh who is having that conversation 
is fantastic. That's not fake. That's real. The science is ridiculous. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. If you get it in order, you get extra points. Listen to me. I don't want to hear you. You cannot say you love your country. Where are my weed smokers at? This is a word from the Lord, and he's not happy. There is no defense for my conduct. It was wrong, it was stupid, and I'm trying to be a better person. Don't ever use that word. You get nothing! What's a guilty pleasure to do Seriously, what the f***? I want to mention everyone who has joined us today that we are a crowdfunded show. Thank you for being part of the crowd, if you are part of the funding. And uh, me not, there it is, Stephen Greenelk. For a couple of bucks, I believe Stephen was also a contributor uh, last Big week. And out. he may be a new Patreon subscriber. I need to check the list. We like to give them shouts. Occasionally, you can become a Patreon or PayPal subscriber by going to our website, themarkthompsonshow.com, clicking the Patreon or PayPal link. Or just at the bottom of this video, you can see it right there. There are click-throughs to Patreon and PayPal, so you don't even need to go to the website. We also have our merch. And uh, for doing the news today on the show and filling in for Kim, uh, Teresa will receive something from the <laughs> merch store. It looks like I'm doing the show from a department store window because we always are pushing the various things that have the logo of the show on them to help support the show. So... Uh, I will. I love a mug. All right. Uh, I don't want to drop any hints, but there ooh. it is. It, it's a getmarkmerch.com. It's funny. The Mark's Magic Potholder is a fan favorite. People uh, love that potholder. And uh, where are my weed smokers at? No, it's not that kind of pot. It's for mm. hot uh, things. But you can put pot in it, I suppose. Are you uh, like. Do you mess with the gummies and such? Oh, or uh, no? I unfortunately have found my way to gummies and chocolates and tinctures and everything. I did nothing for decades. I did, uh, you know, I drank a lot. Um, but I I'd be willing to bet my lunch that there's alcohol involved. Exactly, usually. But now I'm kind of migrating to this other place with the... Uh, so the answer that was a I try to be thorough in my responses, Thank you. Teresa. And Thank the answer you. is yes. Do you do any of that as a mom? Do you sometimes need to just, you know, kind of take yourself to a little more of a chill place? Need is a fluid concept. <laughs> but um yeah. How high would you have to be to buy the Mark Thompson show uh <laughs> whatever you just showed, Albert? That, that I would have to bat. be like Four gummies. By the way, never do I feel more high than at night when I'm trying to get my tin of Caminos open and I cannot <laughs> open it. Like, I don't know. Are they trying to mess with, with, uh, the, it, it is insane I, how hard it is to get that stuff open. I, I understand I, why they right? make it hard. I understand it and I support it, but wow. I um, support it, right, because I have kids and I don't need them coming in and looking in mom's drawer and finding her night night gummies. <laughs> Right. But, um, yeah, I'll just be trying to get in there. Just what you is just it? have to get it. Oh, look at okay, that. Thank you. I need a 
Yeah, Albert, would you do a YouTube tutorial on how to open those? Albert, yeah. do you yeah. have a story on the on the art? I because to. I love the way the Camino tins look. I have no, I know they look, they look great. They, they, it makes it hard for you to not, you know, and they make I'm supporting great. the arts when I buy the Camino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to think of it. But I also like, you know, I'm anybody but a weed? yeah, you don't smoke. And I also like a Xanax and I also like a Klonopin. <laughs> I see. Well, then I, wow. You, I finally found my friend <laughs> because, you know, I was talking to, uh, Tim Conway Jr. yesterday on with him in Los Angeles um, on Tuesdays on KFI Radio. And I asked him, because he always was my, like, no matter how much I was drinking or whatever, I always felt like Conway was running with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he has had no alcohol for three months. And I said, but how about, like, you know, gummies? Or he said, nope. I mean, that is insane to me. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I aspire to that on some level. I feel like it's not good for me, but I also feel like, oh, come on, man, you know, you gotta, and my other half is very supportive of that. She says my best, uh, self is the buzzed self. So I don't well, know. Well, like when are you and your better half? So like what it's 10 at night, you got to watch a few episodes of suits. You get out the Camino tin. <laughs> Hopefully one of you can open it. Like, <laughs> no, she, what, doesn't do, she doesn't do anything. She doesn't drink at all and doesn't do any pot or anything else. Nothing. Yeah. She's really, um, and she's, it's not like she's tempted. She just doesn't want to do it. By the way, I misspoke and I feel, uh, I misspoke. Yeah. About the lead I did. sled? Uh, not about the lead sled. Um, Stephen Green Elk who I identify, I think he's a new, I think I said, I think he's a new Patreon subscriber. Nope, he says, I've been here for a year. Wow. I, I stand corrected. I am sorry. My bad. Feel, I'm sorry. I feel like Mark? if you've really been a Patreon supporter for a year. Wow. I owe, uh, my words upset so many I hope people. he's not upset, but I am trying to find, we're very much into apologies. Um... Uh, I don't know what would be best. I feel like... Uh, I offer this sincere apology to you today. I think that is probably it. I offer this sincere apology to you a day, today. So uh, I'm sorry, Steve. I think he's Thank a you. more recent... I, I might be also adding myself to an apology list, but I think he's a more recent donator on the show, though. Like, I've, I haven't seen his name too often. I've seen him a few times, maybe this week and last week. I see. Okay. Albert trying to defend me in a rare moment. Um, but I would also say that I think I saw the reason he's in my head. Somebody, this is the weird thing that you have to get kind of hip to when you're doing these shows that are crowdfunded. I thought I saw that he might have edited his membership up or something. And like, just that does happen. Like Jane did that. She went from $5 to $10 a month, you know? And then um, I saw that, uh, yeah, Jane deserves a, uh, a shout thank out for you, that. Thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, May I ask you a question? Do you mm -hmm. have bonus content on your Patreon where you tell us like the behind the scenes dirt? No, no. Uh, and I'll, I'll and, um, I'm more on that in a moment. Daniel uh, just edited his membership from $20 to $30 a month. Big so shout, big out. shout so, out. That's so really much. Thank you so, so much. I'm not going to cry. I'm but, not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. But the outpouring is uh, cry worthy. 
And uh, and then I will get to Teresa's question. Stan Pollock, CPA, my favorite CPA, with a ten dollar super sticker Big today. Shout out! Thank you, Stan. Great but is it deductible, Stan? Is it? It's deductible? right. Is it deductible? <laughs> exactly. If anyone can get it deducted, it's Stan Pollock, CPA. Here's to Mark's Emporium and General Story from Harry. Big Madden. shout out! Yeah. Um, no, we basically had to uh five dollars to bring teresa back as a guest when kim gets back yeah maybe we just have you come hang out with us one for Listen, one segment i've spent 72 percent of this show just thinking what a horrible job i'm doing and no. how i'm gonna speaking of apologies i'm gonna have to apologize to kim because she kim McAllister. let me tell you she doesn't know me and she sent me like a page of instructions yeah she's like really how great. to do the news and so helpful and um, I think I've um, I've shamed the chair. No, of Kim, how are you? You've done really well, but I understand your psychology a little bit, and I understand that you live <laughs> in that place where you feel like you've screwed something up. But that the answer is, you know, you've been on these hit shows and done all this great work. Meanwhile, you're always thinking, oh, I don't think I really like what I did. But that's just who you are. I think you're just you like to rotisserie yourself for, for no reason you've been great and so that's anyway, why I, yeah. god made caminos but <laughs> why does god make it so hard to get into the tin of caminos we know why but i yeah. mean i can open i can open a, a childproof xanax no problem um look at this eileen says vicky you must listen on replay teresa was really funny teresa is so funny oh I my disagree. god um, <laughs> Teresa is very tough on herself. Gary D from Rome with love. Have to get our Mark T show in. Cheers from Sandy and Gary D in Rome, Italy, everybody. Molto bene, molto bene. Oh my God. I know, it's pretty cool. I love that. Did I ever tell you about when I went to Rome, Italy? And on the top floor of my hotel, there was a breakfast buffet every morning. And Is this I, that rich people segment again? I didn't. How dare you? <laughs> I didn't know anybody and had no plan in Rome apart from, you know, to see these sites, the Colosseum, the Vatican, et cetera. I had a couple of hookups along the way, but like, you know, where to shop, where to eat. I didn't have any of that. So... I'm the breakfast buffet. I'm up there with it. I'm reading what the International Herald Tribune or whatever the crap was that was there. And across the way from me, there are a group of people, maybe four people, and the fifth person comes in. And the fifth person is a an Oscar-nominated actor this year. He was in The Holdovers. And Paul it's, Giamatti. Uh, Paul Giamatti. So he's doing something there, I realize, because I'm seated very close to them. I can, you know, you couldn't, even if you tried, not overhear their conversation. He's shooting some movie or something there. And they start talking to him about where they're going to eat. Because they have to hook up Giamatti with like the best places in Rome to eat. And so they say, we've got a reservation at one o'clock today. And this is the best pasta in Rome at the, you know, Rio Loro or whatever. And I write it down. And then they say, and then we're going to have dinner 
at this place that is famous for their super famous, really hard to get it again. And then they, whatever the name of that place was, and we're going there at 730. So I, of course, get on the same agenda. I'm there at the same time they are. <laughs> Lunch and uh-huh. dinner. And then the next morning, they're still on the same schedule I am. They sit down in the same place, and they go through that day's itinerary. And I just write it all down, and I literally (laughs) had lunch and dinner everywhere Paul Giamatti did for like four days. It was great. I could see them across the restaurant. It just might work. It worked perfectly. So, Mark, okay. Venn diagram, Pat Riley, (laughs) Paul Giamatti, and what's in the middle? You. Yeah. I'm just half you. a click off from that kind of superstardom. Yeah. You were stalking and following Pat Riley when he's just trying to enjoy a day in Malibu in the lead sled. <laughs> you chased him down like a crazy person. Yeah. And then Paul Giamatti is just trying to do as the Romans do when in Rome. Yeah. yeah. And you had to go everywhere he went. It is true. It By the true. way, was The Holdovers not like a beautiful movie? It really I was love special. that movie. It really was special. And a friend of mine was actually in it and was just so brilliant. He was the guy who, oh, I don't want to ruin the movie. You should go see it. In another two weeks, I'll tell you who my friend is. Um, Teresa reminds me of Sarah Silverman a little, says Julie. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. a huge compliment. It, it I've really actually is. interviewed her on stage when her book came out, The Bedwetter. All right. I did a Q&A with her. And she, um, actually, my my mom, who um, who passed away, uh, what, a, I think, eight years ago, my mom was a huge Sarah Silverman fan. And when I was doing the Adam Carolla show, Sarah would come in. She used to be dating Jimmy Kimmel. And my mom lived in Vegas. And I said, oh, Sarah, you know, I know you're performing in Vegas. My mom's a huge fan. Um and she said, I, say no more. And my mom had tickets waiting, like VIP, my mom and her wow. friends from the dog park. Yeah, Sarah. And I mean, they went backstage and she just treated my mom like a big deal. And she never forgot it. Sarah is a mensch and so talented. Big fan of hers. No, that's cool. So that Sarah Silverman reference is really cool. Well, all right, guys, I've loved luxuriating here, but... um. I need to still do this segment. And there's actually important information. Jim Shields says, Teresa, come back and sub anytime for Kim. The um, Thanks, Jim. The segment I want to do is Stories from the Sky. And I'm going to do it, Albert. I have to do it. I'm going to get it in. And uh, Albert, I thank you. want you to uh, begin to take hold of the show. Because if we run long, for some reason, I will be blaming you. This is Stories from the Sky. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! Everybody strap in! Get ready, everybody. American Airlines. American Airlines abruptly announcing a checked bag fee increase. They're adding another $10 to the fee for checking a bag. They did it during the overnight hours when no one was looking. They're the what latest. What the hell is going on in the United States of America? Ron gets it. For domestic U.S. flights, check bag fees jumped from $30 to 
for travelers who wait to check a bag in person at the airport, the fee goes from $30 to $40. The charge for a second to check bag is now $45, up from $40. In a statement announcing the increases, Americans said it last increased its baggage fees in 2018. Yeah, people, you should be happy. We've waited this long. Other U.S. carriers have hiked baggage fees in recent months, foreshadowing an industry trend in what is considered a business of copycats. Most of the business, as you know, one carrier does it, another carrier adopts it. America's One World Alliance partner, Alaska Airlines, they increased their check bag fees in January from $30 to $35 for the first bag, $40 to $45 for the second. How about United Airlines? They charge $35 and $45 for the first and second checked bags, respectively. If you pay in advance online, you can knock $5 off each bag fee at United. Delta charges $30 and $40, again, for first and second bags. Two passenger planes went over 800 miles an hour on recent flights with these strong winds. The same storms and powerful jet stream that fueled rain into California turbocharged these planes and had them going literally over 800 miles an hour. That's over 200 miles an hour as fast as a typical plane might fly. Virgin Atlantic and a United Airlines plane both reach speeds of more than 800 miles an hour. And a 22-year-old woman accused of shoplifting in San Francisco is arrested on a plane in Hawaii. What? She was stealing merchandise at San Francisco stores, including downtown luxury retailers, and then arrested on a plane in Hawaii, and say it ain't so, on Valentine's Day. Talk about a buzzkill. 22 years old, San Francisco resident. She has a history with organized retail crime, apparently. That's a nice one to put. I have a history with organized retail crime. Yes. Talk to my people if you're interested in some organized retail crime. The SFPD enlisted the help of U.S. Marshals, multiple outstanding warrants, and she was busted as she exited the plane. They got a report of two women shoplifting at a store in Stonestown. Mm -hmm. I used to shop there when I was a kid. Of course. That was the mall. That was, by the way. Yeah, they went through kind of a dip, and now they've been... Um, uh, did you know Winona Ryder, famous shoplifter, is from uh, the Bay Area? I'd forgotten. Yes. She was sort of the high watermark in shoplifting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you knew it was a compulsion, because she was a star when she was shopping. You know what I mean? It was like you knew it was a compulsion then. Right. She wasn't doing it because she needed that necklace from Saks. Exactly. Thank you. Um, anyway, these serial shoplifters... One of them was nabbed on a flight in Hawaii. So you got an 800-mile-an-hour plane, two of them, a serial retail thief nabbed in Hawaii, and those bags will cost you more to check. And with that, that's Stories from the Sky for today. This has been Stories from the Sky. Captain has turned off the seatbelt sign, and you are now free to move about the cabin.
The time has flown by, Teresa Strasser. I thank you so I, much for filling in. I, I don't Kim. understand how John Rothman hijacking your show wasn't in Stories from the Sky. <laughs> if you missed it, Rothman, that's kind of what he does. He's very, do you see how he links all? I mean, I see through it now. It's like a parlor trick that he does. <laughs> He starts and then he continues and then he segues to something else. And might I say, and might I say, and as long as I'm got Lena, we should mention, and you just can't get a word in. And he no, goes. You've got to be a sniper in the weeds, just waiting for an opening. Sometimes I just have to call him out on it, which I did today. But, but it's he's been... such a good broadcaster. He was like producing in real time. You can see it all happening. Let me tell you what John's thing is just in this last minute. His magic is not only what he says, but how he says it. He has a theatricality to the way he speaks. Mark, let me just say that if Nikki Haley can do <laughs> something this weekend against Donald Trump, it could change this race in a way that we've never seen in recent American history. He speaks in that kind of uh, old school way, as though he's speaking from Shakespeare. And that is magical to listen to. You know, it's one of his, that's another one of his tricks. It's not a trick, that's how he speaks, but it's just very effective. Um, and Mark, who has a greater speaking voice than you? I, I love whoever's watching this, probably a lot of the reason why they're a fan of yours and hopefully donate to keep your show on YouTube for a very long time, is just like your God-given speaking voice is so beautiful. Oh, you're so sweet, Teresa. Thank you very much. Please continue. It was. Uh, <laughs> Do you know who I am? I think were you, you were the voice. Right. Yeah. You were a big deal. You were the voice of a network. I did a lot of stuff for Fox. I did yeah. stuff for ABC. The best job I ever had was the voice of ABC Late Night because that was Jimmy Kimmel's show. And they had to do daily promos and they changed the promos every day because a new guest every night, right? And so you get paid for the 30-second and you get paid for the 15-second and you get it every single day. It was the And I did it from my home. It was the very best job I've ever had. In terms of, you know, what is that? Return on investment or whatever? You, yeah. ROI. ROI, yes. You got a lot of love. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll finish with a, a little love for uh, Teresa as we kind of wrap up. Aloha, Mark. Glad Kim is getting a break. Welcome to the show. Teresa says Walter, and he is, when he says aloha, he's in Hawaii. That's right. He's no fool. Teresa was great. I'm super passionate about the show today. <laughs> Loved you on Conway yesterday, but this is the huge soda of, enter huge soda of entertainment, says Luis. Big shout Big out. Big shout out. And, um, that, I'd have to explain to you, the huge soda reference is a Michael Shore reference. I think you know Michael Shore, so uh, you might tell, uh, yeah. Uh, you've got a lot of love. You should go back if you want to feel good about yourself and read the uh, read the comments. I really appreciate you being here today. I mean, it was quite, uh, quite fun, and we look forward to the next time you stop through. Even if Kim's here, you can come through anytime. So thanks, Well, Teresa. thank you for having me. It's very yeah. generous, and thanks to Kim. Albert, thank you, and... I'm Shadow Stevens for the Mark Johnson Show. Bye-bye. The After Party Live is going We're down now. Live. I can go right and we'll do it live. Yeah. So until tomorrow, Kim is back tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.